You know, and we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Rights and Wrongs, a pro wrestling podcast with your host, myself, Mr. Green. How are you? And uh, thank you for tuning in. We got ourselves another episode in the books of Wild Women of Wrestling, and we're going to go through that top to bottom. Uh, Pretty good show this week, I must say. I uh, there, there's a lot of it that I enjoyed, you know, that far more good than than uh, than bad. I, I would definitely say, but that's that's overall been the trend with with the Wow uh, Women of Wrestling program, as far as I can recall. I, I may have given flack on one episode, if, if I could say it, uh, any over the uh, the course of the the weeks that we've been doing this, but um. I wanted to have a, a quick side note just before I got into the, the wow stuff uh, and put out a congratulations to Ariel Monroe, at least the woman that was formerly known as Ariel Monroe, but you may know her primarily as Big Swole. Uh, she was a participant in the May Young Classic, this past one that just went by, <laughs> and she... Um, was on AEW Dark. I believe she was tagging up with Mercedes Martinez, another May Young Classic uh, veteran. But a Big Swole, who uh, is now signed to All Elite Wrestling. So congratulations to her. She's going to add in to some uh, more names to that women's roster. Uh, and that, that can only be construed as a good thing because, you know, I... I I like all elite wrestling, but their women's division is still, they're still in that building process. They're still trying to work out all the talents who's going to be in, in, on the roster and what have you. Um, and having her on there is only going to do big things there. And uh, as far as I know, she's currently one half of the Shine Tag Team Champions with Aja Pereira as part of Triple A. And uh, I think she's the Phoenix of Rise champion also. So we got a Shine title, we got a Rise title. She's signed to All Elite. I mean, so Big Swole is just on the move. Uh, so big congratulations to her. Speaking of people who just got signed as I am uh, recording this, uh, Shotzi Blackheart, I'm pretty sure a lot of people heard about her. Scarlett Bordeaux and Indy Hartwell have all been signed uh, to the WWE Performance Center, which is you know pretty much the <coughs> the connecting piece to the to NXT because we, we can't really call NXT a developmental any longer. It's more like a, a third brand. So those three uh, ladies have now gone down to the Performance Center, and, and 
is I guess only time will tell when we see them on the televised version of NXT, I should say, because I, I do believe they still got their their house show run that goes around in Florida. But congratulations to all three of those ladies for, for getting their dreams met. I mean, this is one thing that happens, you know. I know there's some people out there who had issues with all elite wrestling, and you know, all the, especially when they first started, because I can't tell you how many times I heard people go on and complain about the the show, um, not the show, but the promotion, or people that have been on in the uh, comment section of places like uh, on Facebook. Ah, oh, it's just a t-shirt company because they didn't have any shows at the time. But look at them now, and and this is the effect of that. The effect of it is. We're going to sign some people, and some people are going to get some pretty good contracts based on that. I mean, uh, my gosh. <clears throat> it's almost, I, I, I hate to use the word stockpiling, but it's almost like the, the, they being WWE is stockpiling talent to make sure that nobody else gets them. So, I mean, it, it's just all around. It's a good thing. It, they're going to fly through some money, but it's good for them, uh, uh, them being the wrestlers out there. So, for all you guys that's out there on the indies, just – Stay the course, man. There's more opportunities open up for all of you. Um, opportunities. I guess they will use that as the segue. Tessa Blanchard. I just got a press release to it not all that long ago uh, that I'm just now reading. Uh, but Tessa Blanchard is set to challenge for the Impact Wrestling World's Heavyweight Championship, which is currently being held by the draw, Sammy Callahan. This will be at their pay-per-view, Hard to Kill, on January 1st. Now, we know that uh, Impact Wrestling has already made the move to Access TV. That will also be the bridge there for what I'm talking about, Wild Women of Wrestling, because they share the same network. They also share the same talent. Tessa Blanchard being the Wild Women's Champion on, uh, on the Wild Television, and she's exceptionally good at it. And she's now going after a... The, First major championship that any woman has challenged. Well, I can't say any woman. Let me let me correct that. Of a major promotion, we're, we're listening as as that 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 has been the, basically the, the cusp of the press release is that for the first time on a pay per view of a major promotion, there will be a woman challenging for that company's highest title. And that that title, of course, being the world's heavyweight championship. So it should be. It should be interesting. They've already had their, you know, the start of their feud. And, and it, it's, it's going to be a really div, divisive uh, uh, outcome as far as that, that goes. Uh, anybody that has an opinion about it, you know, you're welcome to leave it in the uh, the comment section below or email it to me, mrgreen75 at hotmail.com, because I know it is going to be a polarizing thing to have Tessa Blanchard challenge for the world's heavyweight championship um yes we already know that they can have a good match together so i, I don't think that's the issue uh, both of them uh, what well, tessa in particular is exceptionally talented i haven't watched enough of sammy callahan to say how good or bad he is uh, i personally don't know i mean in the times that i've seen him he seems pretty good but you know what do i know um but the end result here is that uh, Impact Wrestling seems to be doing this for the value of let's get a match out of this that we can sell. And I, th- I believe having a woman uh, <clears throat> for the first time challenging for their, their big title is, is the is the major sale here. It is the thing that's going <clears> to <throat> put them across and separate them from other promotions like your uh, All Elite or WWE. Is, you know, 
Not that they're even in the ballpark for either one of those promotions, but in terms of wrestling news, this is a big deal. But what do you think? What, how, how do you feel about it? Should Tessa Blanchard be challenging for the World's Heavyweight Championship of Impact Wrestling, or should she just stick to the knockouts division? Um, I'll be honest. My personal opinion, I, and I, I kind of lean towards she should stay within the knockouts division. My reason being, you know, first off, let me just clarify to say I'm one of the biggest women supporters uh, that has been in the professional wrestling industry, hence the entire uh, concept of the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. So it's not that I don't believe that she is incapable of doing it. My thought has always been, <laughs> if you have divisions, the divisions are there for a reason. You know, if, if you are in a... Uh, let's say the, the mixed martial art. If you're a flyweight or a bantamweight or something like that, then you shouldn't just jump into the octagon or whatever the fighting field happens to be against a heavyweight. They're broken up to try to allow some level of fairness. Wrestling is the only thing that was like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter. You know, and whereas that may be, you would at least think that they would give you some <clears throat> regard of trying to attempt that we're we're serious here, but it's you know it, it certainly doesn't seem like that's that's happening. They're, they're getting past that. So I mean, what can we say? Uh, I would love to hear your thoughts about it. My thoughts are: I like Tessa. Tessa, extremely good talent, but I would. <clears throat> More or less love to see them focus on their women's division with her a part of it, opposed to chasing Sammy Callahan around. That's just my uh, personal opinion. Uh, but I am open to hearing yours as well. Uh, also, I want to make a quick note about another wild competitor that is doing stuff outside of the wild scope. That would be Thunder Rosa. Some of you know her as Serpentine, and which she actually has a match in this episode. But she's going to be making her MMA debut from Combat Americas, which is also airing on Access TV. I mean, Access TV, I think, is mainly being notified or, or being identified as a combat sport television show, it, it seems like. I mean, you got WOW, you got Impact Wrestling, you got, uh, I think they're still running New Japan, now you got Combat Americas, which isn't a wrestling promotion, it's mixed martial arts. But still, <laughs> there is a connection there because we got a professional wrestler who is taking that jump. And she has worked and extre trained extremely hard to try and uh, the, the, the make this thing happen. <clears throat> so you have to give give credit for that. Anyway, let's get into the uh, the review of Wow, shall we? I mean, I know that's uh, generally what the, what some people tune in for, and, and I hope that I hope that you actually watch the show ahead of me so you could follow along. That, that that would be cool. Uh, so here we go. I mean, uh, I, I've talked about this before that the show has a formula to it, and, and it's it's not breaking that formula. It took me about five weeks to to feel comfortable saying, "Hey, there's a formula to this show." But there we have it. It's a formula to this show. It starts off with a show recap, a few for the main event scene, which basically is ends up being a video package setup for Jungle Girl and Tessa Blanchard. Uh, <clears throat> I like this. I, I do like sometimes 
I don't care for the show recaps because I'm like, oh, come on, get to it already. I already seen this. I know that, blah, blah, blah. But I understand what it's there for because the recap is illustrating the point to somebody who has not seen it. The show is going to be new <clears throat> for somebody, somewhere. Somebody's looking at that show for the first time. So having to recap about what they did, not a big deal, not a problem. And I, mean, I actually, like I said, enjoyed this one because it, at least in this instance, made the fight feel bigger, even though it's, I don't think it's any bigger than any other match that Tessa's had uh, on the show thus far. But it made it feel that way. <laughs> the first segment, The Beast, who is, I guess, the, um, the, 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 the wild original that is growing in popularity. She enters and, and uh, <laughs> I, I put this in my, my notes to make sure I've reminded myself that the two babyface announcers don't give opposing prefer- I mean perspective. Now, what I, <laughs> what I meant by that was as the Beast is coming out to the, the ring, they kept carrying on about it. And the Beast would have won, too, if uh, so-and-so hadn't interfered. Now, I, the Linus. And I understand what the purpose of behind them doing that because they have to make it come across as if uh, Faith the Linus had a, not Faith the Linus, let's, let's scratch that, that uh, the Beast had victory in hand and that she would have won had had that, you know, not occurred, that being the interference by Faith the Linus. See, I was putting her a little bit ahead of the story. Because uh, for those that didn't see it, Faith, when Junk Girl gets the Beast down, she goes up to the rock, top rope, a lot of star and the faith come out. Faith grabs the ankle of of Jungle Girl, yanks her down, and there we go. It's a disqualification. <clears throat> so, but the point there being is that I don't know what match they were watching because I'm like, hey, Jungle Girl had this thing in control. Where 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 is it that the Beast was going to win? What if uh, somebody didn't interfere? By all accounts, I think it would have been uh, Junk Girl winning the match if, if she had nailed the splash. And that's one thing that I can say about her move. It has been protected. Her splash on the top rope has certainly been protected. And we'll, we'll go through that uh, a little bit later on. But the Beast comes out the ringside. And uh, as stated, the announcers are, are reinforcing the fact, whether it be you know entirely true or not, that she would be in the main event if Lana Starr hadn't interfered. That, of course, brings out Lana Star, who then cuts a nice heel promo on the Beast and, uh, you know, kind of backtracks this whole thing. It's like, well, you know, I would get in the ring with you, but I'm hurt, and Dave McClain doesn't, won't let me get in, which then goes back to that whole thing with the tag team term. It's like, why was she in that to begin with? Because <laughs> we knew she could do anything there. But I had to give her credit. She took some big, you know, Considering uh, uh, the injury that that she has had, uh, or the the punishment that she put on her body during her wrestling time as Lana Star, um, I, I I was really surprised that they even had her stand on the apron, but she you know she did all that and uh, took took the punishment and I, and not for that I say bravo Lana Star bravo you know. It, yeah, she tapped out, and lost the match, but we but peeling behind the curtain, just her as a person. Uh, she 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 talks it up and she backs it up. She she's not just 
hey, go out there and do this and I'll be the mouthpiece. She's actually taking a beating, you know, as the mouthpiece. So I think that that's uh, real, real cool of her. I think she's uh, probably a little bit more talented than she's given credit for. And and if she had actually stayed within the confines of wrestling, she might have done better. Anyway, what this sets up for when Lana comes out, because she doesn't come out alone, is the Beast versus Lioness Part 2. You know, we've already had that. But this match was every bit of what it should be. The Beast ultimately squashes Faith the Lioness inside of a minute. I mean... Faith had zero offense in here, zero. Just couldn't couldn't get air or opportunity. She she was just out. So this is this is what the beast matches should be, man. This this is what it should be right here. I, I, I'm hesitant to compare her to a Brock Lesnar or a Bill Goldberg, but that's the only thing I can really think of that could really drive the point home. Is that if she's going to be the beast, then she needs to be the beast, and only a select few people should be able to hang with her. And I like this. I I enjoyed the squash. I was like, it's quick. It was over with. They just moved on, and it got the point across. The beast is bad. Do not mess with her. And I don't think it really hurts Faith the Linus all that much either. You know, um, that's a young lady. That's that's. I feel if she, she if she ever gets out on that circuit, and I said this last. Last week, she she would probably do so much better. I mean, she's pretty good right now. She is absolutely pretty good right now. Go back and watch her versus Tessa Blanchard. But I do think that, you know, she she probably use a, 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 just a tad more polishing, perhaps, that, that comes when you're outside of the WOW universe. But this is quick. It is dominant, and the power bomb wins the match. Uh, <clears throat> segment three, Princess Ozzy is laying on the beach. This opens up a vignette for Ozzy. They, they go into the backstory with her and uh, Siren and Holiday. Uh, if you've watched it so far, you would you would know where this is going. The, the, the vignette does a far better job of what watching it week to week is done, in, in my view. Uh, what was lost in the actual unfolding of it over the weeks, I think, was recaptured in this vignette. You got, you understood where they were trying to go with this entire thing. It filled in the blanks. It showed some, uh, um, uh, a little bit extra footage. Sorry about that. Open up a window. You might have heard some humming in the background there. <coughs> Excuse me, but um. And, and, and that's one thing I can say about the vignettes and the video packages and things like that is that it always shows a little bit of extra stuff, uh, just a, a tad extra clip. And here we got that. You know, it, again, the video package, in my view, did a far better job of laying out what was going on than actually watching it week to week. So if you if you just walked in on this and you just looked at it right now, you, you would have been right up to date. You would have caught got caught up like okay i understand she was kidnapped uh she was let go it's some kind of weird relationship going on the announcers are trying to do the fill-in i I didn't necessarily care for that so much but you know they they do what they do they're they're the uh uh the baby face announcers but this also leads into what i thought was a really good match and i'm getting ahead of it but it was a, a, a good match Serpentine, aka Thunder Rosa, taking on Princess Ozzy. I can't remember her her real uh, her other working name. Uh, Ozzy still enters as a baby face, 
But make no mistake about this. From the moment that we heard a Mexico chant open up at the start for Serpentine, Serpentine became, uh, I think I used the term before, a de facto babyface just by being there and being Hispanic and with a mostly Hispanic crowd. You know, it's, it's, it was somebody out there holding up a sign that said Mexico. And for that matter, Sofia Lopez, she was blatantly cheating at ringside and they was just cheering for her. And now, that didn't mean that they were at actively booing Aussie. They weren't booing her. Aussie was still a babyface, and people still enjoyed her. And, it was, and you can see some people out there rooting for her. But if I was going to give you know a percentage to the crowd, I think the, the crowd, uh, let, let's, let's say 85%, we're, we're, we're rooting for Serpentine, and they did. They, they, they roared for her. They roared for her. I mean, go back and watch this match. Go back and look at it. And, you know, this is one of those cases that we're, we're not planning this out. Uh, but this is what happened. Serpentine became the, 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 the baby face. She was visibly cheered. Um, I'm not going to go do play-by-play play for all of this stuff like that. Look, I, we'll, we'll finish it up with this and say the Serpentine wins with a serpentine driver, and the crowd erupts. You know, there are times when when uh, serpentine, aka Thunder Rosa, plays up to the crowd, but but she she uh, she did what she had to do. Like I said, Sofia Lopez cheats, and they cheer. And, you know, they're chanting Mexico, Mexico. So, you know, it, it was very easy to see who the who the favorite of the of the crowd was. And, uh, you know, I know I, I used the term in, in one of the earlier uh, reviews of this is that I think it was the uh, Serpentine Tessa Blanchard ep- episode that I reviewed is that, you know, that crowd was, was, was hot for Serpentine. And, you know, if I'm a booker in that, I am now looking for when I can flip her baby face. That crowd wants to love her. There's no reason for them to be shoving her down their throats as a heel. She doesn't do it anyway. You know, no matter what she does as a heel, they cheer it. Sophia Lopez, whatever she did outside as a heel, they cheered it. So, you know, if that's the case, get them babyface, at least for a little while. You know, then Sophia can split off and, you know, I'd, and do some dastardly deed, but yeah, I would absolutely go with that. I would, I would go with the Serpentine as a babyface. Solid match. If you didn't see it, you should watch it. Uh, after the match is over, Saturday and Holiday come out to Ozzy. You know they have their interaction in the rain, and, and Ozzy is looking around like I don't know what's happening here. What's going on? So the story continues. Is it was a pretty good match. Segment five of the show: Shaw Guerrero video package. Uh, Another, you know, really well done piece of work here. If there's anything that you can say about the Wild TV show, they do make very good video packages. And this one I particularly enjoy because we really we really hadn't had the opportunity to, to uh I wanna say meet Shaw Guerrero, but I mean that's that's basically what it is. We haven't had a chance to meet Shaw Guerrero. We know her. Some people out there may not be aware that she did wrestle briefly they talked about that they talked about the history with her family of course they talk about her mom and dad her um, her uncle her cousin so you know that there's uh a layer of shaw girl that gets revealed here that i don't think most people had the chance to, at least not most wow fans 
people may recognize her or not recognize. Let me let me change that. Some people may know about her from her NXT days or, or uh, Florida Championship Wrestling days, the FCW, before they were NXT. Uh, when she was pursuing wrestling for a brief period of time, and and they showed a couple of photos of that, I thought that was cool. And it makes her more than just the you know the ring announcer that we're just using out here for her name, you know. Not that that's what they were doing, but you know it, it does give some value, some additional value to Shaw Guerrero in, in my view. And it ended on the on a good note, and you know because when you're looking at it, it kind of feels like okay, are they setting up for something? But no, that they, they rope it back around with this interview, and uh, she starts talking about you know, being a ring announcer. And then at the end of that is, I want to be the best ring announcer, you know, this isn't verbatim, that I can be. And, you know, I want to be on the TV with, you know, every segment. And I want to, you know, be the the, the best tattooed, curvy ring announcer that that I could possibly be. Or, you know, it, that alone, you know, makes me like this segment because, I mean, back in the day... <laughs> <laughs> There's no real quick way to put it. Back in the day, you know, everybody was a, a character, and and I'm not even real big on using those, those those terms, but everybody was a character. You know, the Fink Howard Finkel, the the world's most dangerous announcer, Gary Michael Capetta, um, I, 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 Michael Buffer. You know, let's get ready to rumble. You know, th- those those things help stand out, and they presented part of the package. So having her be illustrated as such, I thought was was really good. The only thing that I would add, or not add, that I would request as a viewer is I would think that this interview was a full-on sit-down interview, and it probably went longer than this. I'm now interested in seeing like a full-on sit-down interview with Shaw Guerrero. I, I, I want to see this. This video package made me want to know more about her. It made me want to hear more about her. You know, uh, even if they just said, okay, look, if you want to see the, the full-on version of this, go to our website or go to our Facebook page. We're going to un- unleash it or, you know, we're, we're going to drop it on our YouTube. So, you know, something. I, but I'm legitimately interested in hearing more about Shaw Guerrero and, and what they were able to get out of her in this um, sit-down segment. So I thought it was really good. Segment six was a recap of the tag team tournament. This is the first real video highlighting the tournament at all. <laughs> I had gone on and on and on about how I thought this tournament, you know, was fine, but it never really told me who was in it, how many teams was in it, where they were going, what how this was going to end, which is certainly their right because this is a TV show, and you know, the the object of a TV show is to keep you watching. So you know, may, maybe it was a a factor of well, if we just keep them curious enough, they'll keep looking at it. It's just my personal preference that I prefer a sports field. I think that um, having them. Uh, illustrate who's in it, how many teams are in it, how long this is going to go. You know, there's a certain amount of anticipation that you can have just based on. I mean, look, it happens every year with major sports when you when you're looking at football, basketball, baseball. You know, we we know what we're heading for when we start the season. It, it is a rush for who is going to win that particular, uh, not division, but that particular leagues. Uh, championship, their grand, their grand prize, and I thought 
and again, this is just me. I'm not saying that it's a fault for WoW. I thought it would have come off better to know what we're dealing with rather than, oh, yeah, and by the way, this is, these people are in the tag team tournament too. You know, I was like, I, I would have rather have known. I would rather. Now, with the exception of Fire and Adrillin, who we now know are in the finals, with the exception of them, I think that, you know, we could have been told who was in it and maybe, I mean, this is hindsight booking right now, but let's just say that it was eight teams overall. I don't have my, my sheet in front of me for how many teams were legitimately in it, but let's say it was eight teams overall and we we have six of them announced with two wild cards, you know, to give somebody the opportunity to join if they wanted to join, you know, something along those lines. Because the whole story here with Fire and the Drillers is that they came together kind of somewhat last minute and they joined the, the thing. It's like, hey, you know, we, we're going to do this thing too. We want to be in the, we're going to be the next tag team champions, which more than likely they probably are going to be. If I was a betting man at this point, I'm probably going to put my money behind Fire and Drilling to walk away as the, the wild tag team champions. Uh, we know that the finals uh, are now being produced, and we're going to go into that right after this next segment, which is segment seven, The Monsters of Madness, Havoc and Hazard versus Sassy Massey and Chinchilla Chilla. Uh, I, I was always pushing that The Monsters of Madness would probably get there, just, just if for nothing else, for size. Havoc has been presented as a main event girl, as she should be, and now you got her tag team partner, both in WoW and outside of WoW. Outside of WoW, they're regarded as the killer death machines. They are not going to be referred to as that here. So, uh, so uh, you know, I say that because I was recently looking at uh, a Facebook post where somebody had some name suggestion for, hey, they should call Amber O'Neill and, and Jesse Bell is some, like, bitch and grit. So, you know, something crazy like that. I was like, they're not going to use that name, dude. Come on. That's, that's not going to happen. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't care how, I don't care how clever you think it is. If it has any sort of uh, curse in it or something like that, or implication of death or this, that, and the other, it's like they are not going to use that. You, you got to keep in mind they are trying to appease sponsors. So yes, certain things that will work on the independent circuit will not work on the national platform. Anyhow. Havoc and Hazard versus Sassy Massey and Chinchilla Chella, which I, I do enjoy the, the team of Massey and Chella. I, I thought that um, in the video package showing them not only when to get to this round, but then the last week they showed them winning in the individual matches. It gave it gave them weight, and I I really liked that. I really liked that last week. I liked it now that they that they help illustrate that they're capable. Um. And they start off really good. It's that Ch Chella and Massey start off strong, uh, nominally against Hazard. Uh, they took control of that up until Hazard cut it off with a big clothesline. That was when it took a turn for the worse as far as uh, the team of Massey and Chella were concerned because Havoc came in and Havoc took over. I really didn't want to go into uh, taking notes for every single thing I mean, because they, they pretty much – uh, kept control over Chella at mostly at this point, and I'm not going to go into the full on play by play. But one of the big spots of the match was uh, the time where Havoc got the chance to show off her strength. Uh, she catches Chella uh, in a high cross body, and then Sassy Massey climbs up to the second rope, tries to to help double team it. Now I might have this in reverse because I don't have my paper in front of me, but but it's the same rules apply. Just so you know. So anyway. Uh, Massey comes off of the top rope, 
Havoc catches her. So now she's got both girls in her arms at the same time. Does not go down. Gets a big pop from the crowd. They're like, whoa. You know, because that, that is a big show of strength. She walks it out to the center and then double uh, follow-in slam sets them both down. And, you know, that right there establishes who the heck has it is. And, it, you know, it's those moments where I'm like, hey, this is why she will remain probably a top prospect. She, she will probably be the girl that could go back and forth between uh, I can challenge for the tag team championships with my partner or I can challenge for the main championship by myself. And I I kind of like the idea of at least having one person that could do that and, and uh, have it could be the one. Anyway, we finish off the match wheelbarrow cutter. From Havoc and Hazard. Okay. Of course, Havoc being the setup woman, Hazard comes across, boom, nails with the wheelbarrow. One, two, three. The Monsters of Madness advance, and they are now in the finals. So we got the final three teams set for the uh, the tag team tournament. That being the Monsters of Madness, Holiday and Siren, and also, as I said earlier, Fire and Adrillin. So we, we got the, the final three, and we now... Due to this uh, post-match interview, finally understand where they were trying to get to, which was this. They were having a three-team match, which is going to be a triple threat elimination match. And uh, I was saying a couple of weeks ago, as I was kind of making my own brackets for this, I was like, there's no way that this can work out to where it's just a one-on-one match. I said they may do a triple threat or something like that, which is exactly what they're not doing. So on paper, I guess that that all roads lead to the triple threat. But the question is going to be how is it going to work out to where, you know, because my my bet or my guess is fire and adrenaline. They walk into this as the only true babyface team of the uh, of this tournament. My thoughts would be that you go with the babyface. You go with the babyface team. Wow hasn't really done anything opposite of that in the years that they've been in operation. Uh, when when a tournament has come along, the Battle Royal to crown the first champion, Terry Gold wins that. The the, the original tournament to crown the tag team champions, the uh, Cage Heat wins that, which were the the uh, de facto babyface tag team at the time. Um, you know that that they. Why was more a babyface promotion than it is a heel? I know they they need the heels every once in a while. That that has to occur. But it, like I said, if I'm guessing, I'm going with fire and a drilling over over the other two teams. If uh, if there's any scenario that would present why this would take place, I mean, perhaps you have uh, Siren and Holiday who are going to get eliminated due to something. From say I don't know uh, the Psycho Sisters or Princess Ozzy or something like something I think something is going to happen between one of these teams that's going to narrow the field down to where it's the Monsters of Madness versus a Drilling and Fire and you get the uh, David and Goliath moment or the, you know the the small fiery team no pun intended overcomes the odds and they win the tag team championships. So that that is my guess. I have no inside track on that. I'm just assuming that you know, hey, this, this might be the way that they go with this whole thing. So I mean, so all that sounds cool, and I believe it's going to happen next week. So you know that that is uh, not something that you wait too much longer for. We're, we're walking into tag team championships. 
also, you know, think, thinking about this final that the tag teams are, are having right now, it, it makes me feel like, you know, maybe they need a, a, a special or, so you know, just a wild special that they could just kind of toss out. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, like back in the day, you know, you had the Clash of Champions or your Saturday Night Main Event. And it was like, they're on Access TV. You know, I don't see why at least the pitch for a special for things like this couldn't occur because, you know, it, they have to work extremely hard to make these big events feel like big events. I mean, you you, you almost get a, a championship match once in a week, almost. I mean, it hasn't happened once every week. You, you've had, well, let's say about three or four of them, I think, at this point. So we got Tessa versus Serpentine and and Faith the Lioness and uh, who else? We, we had I think we had a triple threat. No, we didn't have a triple threat earlier. We had triple threat for no more contendership. Uh, who, who am I missing here? Um, uh, Raina Reyes. Yeah, we we had we had her. And okay, so I think we're up to four. We're up to four championship matches out of nine episodes. So it's, that, so it's not been overdone. I mean, you know, I can't say that. But uh, I know it becomes increasingly difficult to like, hey, you know, it's a special week. We got we got a championship match happening. It's harder and harder and harder to do that. So you know, it, just, just a thought. It would be interesting to see if they, if they would entertain having a, um, a, a a special that they could put all the big big matches on at least at least once in a year or something like that. Just just, just a random thought there. Uh, segment eight is a video package highlighting the history of the Wild Championship, uh, going back to its original years, back in 2000, and uh, well, you know, which is kind of funny. Uh, uh, again, I said it just earlier in this review. I'll say it now: the video packages always on point. They're always very good video packages. Uh, one thing that did catch me was, you know, it was odd to me that they didn't use actual video footage of the first two champions that being terry gold and danger they used a photo of them i i i assume that they own the original footage i mean i don't know if this tied up in some sort of legal limbo or something like that but i it, i just you know it just caught me as as strange and uh you know I, I just assumed that they would have been able to do it. That they could break out a, a, a package. I, it's not like we haven't seen it before. We've seen videos of other people. We've seen videos of Cage Heat from back in the day. So why why not them? Anyhow, they gave you the list of the six champions that Wiles had over the entirety of his existence. That man, Terry Gold, Danger, Alana Starr, uh, Jungle Girl, Santana Garrett, and Tessa Blanchard. Those are those are the six. So in the 18 years that they've existed, there's only been six champions. And I know in the video package that you know that that's not something that you're going to think about. But it's like, man, that is pretty low. That's a that's a that's a low championship run there. But that's not the point of the package. Let let me let me not sidetrack. That's not the point of the package that they produce. The package is there to set the table. For Jungle Girl getting her shot against Tessa Blanchard and Tessa Blanchard defending against Jungle Girl. So they give you all of that just to set the table for, you know, what the championship means. Of course, 
And wild television is like, you know, the wild championship is the most prestigious women's championship ever. I, you know, now uh, that is, of course, open to debate. Um, perhaps we will have that debate on this program another day. I won't do it right now. But uh, the, that is, of course, you know, why would he say anything different? It's wild. It's supposed, you know, I, I, he's supposed to promote his own stuff like he, like he, like he's doing. So, you know, no, no issues with me there. Uh, he, he being David McClain in the video package pushes the the narrative of what the Wild Championship means. Uh, again, the, the most prestigious women's title in all of wrestling and all that good stuff, and why they're going after it. And it all makes sense. It all makes sense within the context of Wow. I like that they talk about the sacrifice, especially as it relates to Jungle Girl. You know, the, the sacrifice of being from home, the sacrifice of doing this. Well, they, you know, they they talk about it with multiple people, but they, you know, they highlight, they illustrate the points with Jungle Girl as well. It's like the sacrifice of being a mom, you know, and uh, all all of that. I I don't know if I would have gone into the age thing. You know, at some point they basically allude to that. I don't know if I would have necessarily said that. I mean, you know, I would have used other terms perhaps because, you know, I cannot stress enough Jungle Girl, physical marvel. She it looks fantastic, still can go. I mean, I love me some Jungle Girl. So, you know, and I, I stand by this statement. If you've listened to this podcast at any given point, you know that you've heard me say this. Jungle Girl should be the legacy of WOW. She should be the legacy of that company. And uh, before I finish this out, I, I'm going to give my thoughts on one of the ways that you can help kind of secure her as a legacy act without necessarily giving her the championship. You know, so that that's just a little bit of fancy booking that from, uh, you know, it was it was a conversation that that I had on via email through somebody named Brooke. So we'll I'll, I'll get into that a little bit later on. Anyway, uh, final segment of the show: the main event, Jungle Girl versus Tessa Blanchard. I there, there is only one thing that I would say that I would have liked done differently. Only one. I would have liked for them to do the boxing announcement deal, where they both come out to the ring. They both standing there, Shawgirls in the middle, and you know this match is scheduled for one fall, six minute time limit, blah blah blah, and it's for the Wild Championship, you know, and and I say that because altering something as small as that every once in a while gives you the big match feel, and I wanted the big match feel for this because. This match was being fought for from basically day one of this season. It should have felt different. It should have been a bigger deal. I mean, the video package made it a bigger deal right in and of itself. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not taking anything away from that. But I, I just wanted to finish it out. I was like, let's get them both in there. Let's, let's have the big fight feel. Let, let it look like, let it feel like, let it smell and taste like this is the big one, and let's get it on. That's what I wanted. I'm not complaining that they didn't do it, but I, I just wanted them to have something extra, that just a little bit of oomph behind it to, to uh, help push it along. But uh, if you didn't see this match, you should watch it. Uh, the the uh, match that we had earlier, I mean, this this is 
I don't want to say it's a two match show because that that would be negating the tag team match or or the the uh, squash that we saw earlier. But the two biggest matches, I'll put it that way, was Serpentine, Princess Ozzy, and it was this match, the main event, Jungle Girl and Tessa Blanchard. The difference between Serpentine and Ozzy versus Jungle Girl and Blanchard is that oftentimes in this match, it felt very much like two women competing to win, not a cooperation of moves and this that and the other you know it, it didn't come off like an exhibition it was it looked and felt hard hitting it felt like there was a struggle it felt like there was something on the line that i have to win and i liked it i liked the fact that you know i guess this is going to be the second thing i said I only had one i i actually in this case enjoyed that some of the stuff was not polished I enjoyed the fact that, you know, that dropkick wasn't a polished dropkick. I enjoyed that, you know, some of that stuff looked like, hey, I'm I'm losing my balance on the ropes and stuff like that because it, it felt more realistic. It felt real. It, 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 like I said, it felt like these are two women who are in here trying to get one over on each other, not some cooperation between two to uh, put on a good show. Uh, I love this. That's <laughs> Uh, you know, I, just just from one end of it to the next, I I love this. Um, we get up to I guess what, what would be the the final act of the match. Jungle Girl hits the Jungle Driver on Tessa Blanchard. She's setting her up for the for the big splash. I think they call hers the big queen queen of the splash from the top rope, uh, which has been a protected move in WoW. Another good point. When she hits that splash, nobody has gotten up to date. So I, I love the fact that it has been protected. It has not been uh, bastardized, so to speak. And a lot of times in wrestling promotions now, you you get a, a move that is used as a hot, uh, you know, a, a high spot. I mean, we just let me sidetrack here. We just saw this not all that long ago. I mean, look, if you're a WWE guy, then you know what I'm talking about. Uh, how many times did we see Seth Rollins break out that? curb stomp on the fiend and they get right back up this is finish is it's his finish why is he doing this you can't think of any other move to use that he could just shake off he should have i mean not like i i'm better at putting a match together than him but i i would think that he would have stayed away from that or something not not just use it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again only for him to him being the fiend just to keep getting back up. Is it only bastardized his move. It cheapened it. And so now we got this. We got uh, you know, here in WoW, the opposite of that. The splash is regarded as a finish. She hits you with that, you're not getting up. And that is the way I like the match. And I like that with her. I like that it's been protected. And if she had done it, if somebody had kicked out of it, you get one, you know, or somebody special that they're trying to put over, something like that. But she, she being junk girl, goes for the big the splash. Tessa sees it coming. She rolls out of the ring. Makes sense to me. Roll out, escape. I know I don't want to get hit with this. And so she gets to the floor. 
Jungle Girl sees that she goes to the floor and changes her direction. Now she's repositioning herself on the top rope. Scary. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been inside a wrestling ring before, but, you know, that being around or on the top rope is not as – it looks less of a drop on TV than it actually is. I mean, you know, and that that's a dangerous drop. I know, again, that's one of them things that we kind of take for granted watching this on TV, but that is a dangerous drop. She repositions herself and comes off like she's going to do like a double axe handle from the top rope to the floor. Tessa pops her in the mouth with a, like a sidekick. Bam. Knocks her down to the floor. Gets her back in the, into the ring, and this that one mistake, that one mistake is what started, you know, that turned that match around for Tessa Blanchard. What Jungle Girl pretty much had, I mean, at some other point, it was a brawl, it was this, that, Spears, I mean, they were firing elbows at each other. It, it felt pretty even up until Jungle Girl took control, and then she lost that control, but this one mistake. Goes out to the floor, hits her, catches with the sake. Now Tessa puts her back into the ring. And she sets her up for the Diamond DDT, that Hammerlock DDT that she's finished, that we have established on television. When I hit you with this, it's over with. I just named off the people that she defended the title against up to this point. Serpentine, Raina Reyes, uh, Faith Alinus. And when she's hit those people with that DDT, boom, it's done. We're finished. She hits uh, Jungle Girl with the Diamond DDT. Last second, Jungle Girl kicks out. Or I should, to be more specific, she shoots that shoulder up off the mat. Last second. Reaching for, you know, out of desperation to get the shoulder up. And Tessa is, I can't believe, you know, that that's the look that she's got on the face. I can't believe that. And, you know, it tells, it helps tell the story. A, how, what stern stuff Jungle Girl is made of. And B, what the championship means. This is where I start to regard the, the championship as meaning something. Not just because we as announcers or commentators say it. Not just because the video packages. Those things help. They help a lot. But the actions that take place within the ring help define the championship. And the fact that she was so insistent on becoming the number one contender. So insistent on getting her shot to win it back. And so insistent that I am going to do what I have to do and even though I'm on my last leg, I'm kicking, you know, I'm trying to get my shoulder up so I can I can keep fighting when clearly she had nothing left. And she didn't. She she got out of that, but she didn't have much left. Tessa now is frustrated. So she's trying to think of something that she can do. She goes to the top rope. Junk girl gets up to her feet. Tessa comes down. A cold breaker from the top rope to the mat on Jungle Girl. Boom. One, two, three. She scores the win on Jungle Girl. I don't think Jungle, you know, it was a, it was a good match. I enjoyed it. I don't think Jungle Girl lost anything losing this match. Uh, as I was saying before, she she should wind up as the legacy of this show. Um, and her going down to to Tessa, particularly after kicking out of her finish, uh, it's one of those cases that I don't think the loss is going to hurt her in the long run i think that is gonna uh it, it repositions her because she can't keep claiming that i'm the uncrowned champion she's gonna have to do something else to kind of um re regather who jungle girl is as far as this tv show is concerned but she is uh 
you know, she she's still Jungle Girl, man. She, you know, and that's almost like being a title in and of itself within the Wild Universe. So they finish out the match, and you know, they, the commentators are like, you know, there's a begrudging reg- respect between these two, and da 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 da. So we have that. We've we've got the the position where these two are now, at least as far as commentating is concerned, have some sort of respect towards the other, and that's fine. I, I'm I'm good with that. So now it is, uh, you know, who's next? Who who is next? Who are we going to set up next as a top contender for the Wild Championship? Uh, that that should be the the next story. But as of next week, we're going back into tag team territory. So that that should be cool. Um, I I I think that one other thing that has to come across here with the uh, Jungle Girl Tessa Blanchard situation is uh defining one you know that defining tessa blanchard as a full-on heel you know there there are days when i'm not really sure what tessa is and uh and wow i mean the story had been that she was avoiding jungle girl but she was avoiding her by facing other top talent which in the in the grand scheme of things didn't really make a lot of sense to me i've carried on about that in the beginning because you know the they they've always painted this picture like I'm I'm doing what I can not to get in the ring with the beast and not to get in the ring with uh Jungle Girl and therefore I'm taking these other matches. But these other matches, she has almost always been pushed to the absolute limit. It's not like they were walking a park or they were a squash or easy for her to get by. Each one of those people were like within seconds away from winning the match. So I didn't really understand that necessarily that that side of it. Also, that I I still maintain, and this is a you know hindsight deal. I still maintain that they should have knocked off talking about how I, I'm the first person to beat you in 18 years and stuff like that. It's like I, I I don't I don't like that. I know where they're trying to go with it, and I know it's there to build Jungle Girl, but I. I all they would have really had to say is that, you know, Jungle Girl had been undefeated in the, in her entire run in WoW. She had, Jungle Girl, since the time she's been here, has not been beaten. And that's it. We don't we don't have to have this unrealistic goal of 18 years tacked onto her. I mean, it, it sounds cool on paper, but there's nothing to back that up. They don't, you know, they don't have enough footage to legitimately show that she has been undefeated for 18 years without expressing the fact that, well, yeah, it's been 18 years, but it's 18 years that we, you know, 15 of those years we weren't in, in active. So, you know, it, it it doesn't really count. It is very, I think I used this analogy before, it is very much like at wrestling schools or, you know, when you're running an a independent promotion, you got somebody come up to you and like, yeah, I've been, I've been wrestling for, Eight years now. Well, how many matches have you had? Well, you know, I I, I took a hiatus uh, back in the day, so I only really had, you know, five or six matches. I'm like, well, then you ain't been wrestling for eight years. You had five or six matches. There's students at the schools that have five or six matches. You know, in fact, I would say in a, in a year's time, just working with one promotion, you should have no less than ten. You know that that's in one year. Now that and that's assuming that you're not trying to get booked anywhere else, that you can't get another gig or nothing like that. Ten, maybe. You know, you should at least have that much. 
So, you know, that that story of the 18 years, I, I wish they would knock that off. I hope that this ends that. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's, they just need something else to illustrate that. That that the whole almost two decades unbeaten is is absurd. You know, and, and she shouldn't be ranked under absurdity. She should be ranked under what is true. And yes, it is true, but it's like a half-truth. You know, if it were me, it would just be, you know, ever since 2000, when Jungle Girl was here, she only suffered, you know, one loss, that, that being from, from the wild champion herself at the time, Terry Gold. You know, and, and since coming back, she's not been beaten. She's mowed through everybody. But a lot, you know, because just saying the last three years is impressive enough. For the last three years, Jungle Girl has not taken a loss. Doesn't have to be 18 years. You know, just just move on with that. Anyhow, so that was a WoW review for episode nine of uh, the WoW superheroes as they move forward. I, you know, I really enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed it from top to bottom. I don't think that it's going to hurt anything from um, the losses suffered by Linus or, or Jungle Girl. I I stand by this. I think Linus needs to go and hit the independent circuit. I would really, really, really like to see her do that. Uh, if, if for no other reason to help polish off who she is, not saying she should leave WoW. That is not what I'm implying. But I think that her getting out there would really help her out. She She looks to be extremely talented very athletic and uh they clearly see something in her and uh her wrestling elsewhere is not gonna hurt is is not gonna hurt especially you know look she's in la just take some of the independence that's out in california and i know it's probably a pain in the ass because they, they're not gonna pay a lot but she will learn a lot and she's got a national TV gig, so it's not like she's losing anything. It's like, just do it to, for yourself. Do it to get better. You know, that there's only so much that you're going to learn in a sterile environment. You know, that that's nothing against the training that is going on inside of the wild training facility. But there's only so much that you can get in one location. You've got to go and leave. I mean, every job will tell you that. You can learn something inside of the 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 class or side of the training grounds, but you really get the, the lessons learned when you're actually doing it. And it's going that'll that'll change certain things around. It's like, okay, how do you read your crowd? How do you read the audience? What do you do in cases like that? And so on and so forth. That that's what I was, you know, that's my suggestion in as regards to her. Uh as far as Jungle Girl is concerned, uh, as I said earlier, um a question that been presented to me as the you know what would I do as a as a, a booker because I do fantasy booking when I do these interviews with uh, certain talents and I need to get back to uh, bringing some of those interviewees on, but I do this fantasy booking thing. So I was asked like, look, you know, you say that you would have her as a, a legacy. What do you mean? How would you make her a legacy? What? How would you position her to where she's something different than everybody else? Okay, so I like that question. Again, Brooke sent that in to me. Um, and that wasn't verbatim because I didn't have the question in front of me. But that's basically it. So um, how would I do it? Well, this is the first thing. She, let's assume that we're booking this from this point out because, you know, I'm sure they got the show pretty well taped at this, this size. So 
we're going to ignore the future that they have for at this point, and we're just going to go with our own little timeline here about what we can do with Jungle Girl. Uh, and before I get in that, I guess the next thing that they're going to have to try to sell is the Beast. The Beast being the big bad chick on the block and going after the championship because they, they're clearly grooming her for the championship. So I think that that has to be also accounted for here as well. Uh, first thing is continue to keep the losses few and far between. Her losing to Tessa isn't going to hurt her. Her losing to somebody out of clear, you know, somebody that's perceived lower on the card, maybe. But keep the losses with Jungle Girl few and far between. If they're not a main event person or, or if we're not trying to get somebody over immediately, then she shouldn't be losing. Jungle Girl should be who Jungle Girl is. She, you know, this technically qualifies as only her second loss in a while, that being the Terry Gold, who was the champion at the time, and Tessa Blanchard, who's the champion at the time. So that's the first thing I'm using right there is that I've only lost to the champions here. I've never been beaten by somebody who did not walk out here with a championship belt. And, you know, that alone should, should place her in a different plateau. And she should use that. I, You know, anytime that you've ever seen my shoulders pinned to the mat has been through outside interference, a mistake that I made that caused me to lose. And when I made that mistake, it was against the the top in the in the business, against the champion of, of WoW at that time. You know, she, she could position that as a plus in her promo. And I know she's capable of doing it. I've heard her cut a promo. So, so that's the first thing. She could reposition that loss as a, you know, as a testament to who she is. I've never lost to somebody who was not a world champion. And it is all the more reason why I should be challenging for that because I, I, you know, I have to be the best. I've got to be the best. I got to be the best that, you know, this business has ever seen. I got to be the best in this company, you know, and if it takes me going after her from now to whenever, I will, you know, I will continue to wage this war until I get what I want, you know, so... Don't have her roll over and die. Let her still be Jungle Girl. Let her still be the warrior that she is. Now, part of what helps keep those legacy things is that everybody else has to respect her in that position too. You know, they have to respect the fact that Jungle Girl is, you know, an original and that she is in amazing condition, that she's a genetic wonder. They've got, you know, they all have got to view her as this... Uh, phenom so to speak so when it's when she's talking about on commentary even if she's healed they have to you know slide in a little bit of yeah but junk girls this junk girls that you know and they do that and but i'm just saying just a little bit more just just a little bit more to give her that that extra oof <laughs> so can't think of a better term than oof so <laughs> so so yeah just, just for her to have that also now here's where it starts to change. If you're not going to put the championship on her, then these are the points in wrestling where you give things to help placate the uh, the individual and give them something that they can utilize as a as a means of success. 
I know Wow has no intentions of using a secondary championship. I was at that press conference. I, I heard the question asked, like, hey, you, you're going to have a Wow TV title or some secondary title of some sort. David McClain does not want to do that. He's like, I want the Wow championship to be the championship. Now, that's fine, and we've seen that happen over the years with some promotions. The only downslide to that is that some people are never designed to be the world's champion in, in any given company. It just, you know, it's just not going to happen. So it immediately cuts out some of the competitors from having a championship belt that they can get. You know, they're just not going to qualify for it. Um, so my suggestion, what you do in a case like this, is that you have the annual event type deal that you can get and hold that as a trophy. So it's not a defendable title, but it's a title that you can utilized to say well i'm i'm that good so let's just say in this particular instance we have a i don't know main event mayhem let's let's call it that and i actually just thought about that on the spot which is which is which is only my way of saying let, let's get the main event girls on wow and put them in something like a, a six person elimination match and, I, and main event mayhem just popped in my head. So we call it main event mayhem. And we got this match. And uh, I don't know, who 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 can we have in the six people that goes in there? We, and in this case, you include the champion. You include Tessa Blanchard. Okay? So we start with that. That way she could be in the match that she could participate in, not have to put the, the title up on the line also. So she could lose and not lose the belt. So we got Tessa Blanchard. We put Jungle Girl, we put The Beast, we put Raina Rez, we, uh, who is that, that's four, Serpentine, and, you know, a little rounded out with somebody else, I don't know, that's Havoc, I guess. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm doing this off the fly, so I don't even know if that's a, a equal number of baby faces, and, you know, take take Havoc out, put the Linus in, that, that's how I do it, the Linus, because I think you get two thing, two birds with one stone here. If you got a match like that, you can you can really set the pace with uh, making the Linus look really good, and also making the Beast look dominant to where like multiple people have to do something to eliminate her. Let the Linus run the gambit, like last a long time. If this is a one match show, if this match lasted for an hour, then Linus should be enough no less than like fifty minutes. So so she has convince the people that I belong. But ultimately, you have Jungle Girl win it. That would be the first thing. You have Jungle Girl win the match. And with her winning the match, and truth be told, what I would do in there is I would have Jungle Girl beat Tessa Blanchard. I would have her eliminate her, not with a splash, not with a jungle driver or nothing like that. I would have her just catch her real quick, like a small package or a roll-up or something like that. Something where Tessa would have the ability to lose her mind when she lost and run around like a crazy person that that shouldn't have happened or, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, and have legitimate claim to it was a fluke or, you know, something along those lines. But the fact of the matter would be that in this matchup, she would have lost and Jungle Girl would have won and, you know, she she wins the Genie Bus Invitational plaque or whatever, you know, the trophy, so, something along those lines that she can hold high and say, I, look, I, you know, I got it. I'm, I'm still drunk, girl. I'm still the, the queen of the ring, et cetera, et cetera. That is what I, you know, things like that, I would toss that in every once in a while to help 
remind people that no jungle girl is still capable she still can go she can still win you know a title or two when it is called upon to win a title too i got that kind of idea from the booking of dusty Rhodes. because when you look at dusty Rhodes over his the grand scheme of his career now in high well we romanticize i should say promotions romanticize him as like a great world's champion but the truth i mean he was a great world's champion i'm not i'm certainly not discounting that but the truth of the matter is if you add up all his title runs i don't think it it equates to a full year i'm not even sure if it goes to a full six months quite honestly he's won the title three times but he never held it for a long time on any particular reign so you know but he was dusty Rhodes, and he was always in the main event because he always had reason and just cause to be in the main event he was always beating a top guy he was always in a top feud he always had a championship that he could kind of hold as a standard to say look i'm, I'm still around united states championship tv championship tag team six man national championship i mean he pretty much won all that he, and, and then if you even if you remove those he had these events that he could go and do on a regular basis that would help solidify who he was the bunkhouse stampede that wasn't just a a a pay-per-view i mean that was a match the bunkhouse stampede he won that thing like three years in a row (laughs) you know stuff like that uh the the crockett cup tournament he and 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 koloff win the win this big huge trophy and and the check for a million dollars so so those things that is that type of book and i was like you know if you have those then it helps keep you looking strong that was the original point behind the king of the ring pay-per-view you know bret hart loses the championship they book him in the king of the ring and they book him to be as strong as he could possibly if you haven't looked at that match or that pay-per-view go back and watch it bret hart put on a uh a clinic that entire pay-per-view and it and it put him as the guy in a time when Hulk Hogan was being phased down, Bret Hart was now on the rise. And I would say, getting back to the point at hand, you have events such as that and these moments such as that in the career of Jungle Girl. I just gave you one. I just gave you, you know, let's have her win a trophy or a plaque or something along those lines. I, you know, I just talked about the Bunkhouse Stampede, which is a match in essence made for Dusty Rhodes. You know, they could have a match made for Jungle Girl. You know, the, the Queen of the Serengeti match. You know, something you know, something, something like that. You know, no holes barred. I don't know. Ten, ten women, something, something. I mean, I, I'm doing this off the top of my head. I, I don't know what kind of rules you would apply to that or whatever the case may be. But something that she could go in there and she can win and she, you know, then be illustrated as I'm, I'm a top girl. Now, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. All the time, and you know, you, you just kind of drop it in there systematically. Or, I wouldn't do that all the time. I would just kind of drop that in uh, here and there, just to you know, help remind people. If we ever, you know, one thing I would do is I, I would get the Beast and Dunk Girl back on the same page at some point and have them go after and win the tag team championships. Uh, how would I do that? Uh, let's say a drilling and fire win a tag team titles in this tournament. The Monsters of Madness feel cheated. Demand a rematch. 
A month later, they finally get it after plowing through the competition. Get the match. Boom, boom, boom. We win. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, we got the Beast. We got Jungle Girl. You know, the Beast and Jungle Girl are, are still not friend friends. But at the same time, there has been some level of respect there. And, and you know, you, you got the confrontation between the two. It's like, you know, one of these days, you and I, we're going to have to do this one more time to really decide who's the best between the two. And, you know, as they're having that, you, you have somebody come up and give them some lip. You have, you have Havoc come in and say, I still got unfinished business with you two. You, you, you two clowns. So, you know, whatever the case would be. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they could challenge them right there and right there. It's like, look, I want this. Well, I should say they should challenge them. Dave McClain could take the heat for that. He he could pop up and say, well, you know, hey, we got a match in the uh, open ring no time like the present let's do it and you know what let's put the wild tattoo championships on the line that way the heat can go on him for making us you know rather than havoc and hazard making a stupid decision because they they have nothing to gain to challenge and say we'll put the titles on the line but if they're made to do it then they can you know they can come back and complain and and gripe and all that stuff later so you have the tag team match Applied impromptu, <clears throat> you you play up the distrust between Beast and Jungle Girl because uh, we've already established that they didn't really like each other. You can have one of them look like they're prepared to walk away. You can have Jungle Girl get off the apron and walk down the aisle. And I'm halfway there, I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about walking back to this locker room and just leaving her ass high and dry. But then I change my mind. I go back and I reach out. Come on, make the tag. Hit me up. And, you know, she makes the tag. They get on the same page for this one time. They they illustrate this physical dominance that they've been showing and, and that WoW has illustrated with them all along. You have uh, uh, the big finish. I don't know. You get the beast, powerbomb, hazard, and tag in Jungle Girl. Give her the big splash off the top. Boom. You know, so you got hit with both of their moves. You know it's over with. One, two, three. Now they're the tag team champions. And Hazard takes the fall, protects Havoc. So all of that going on at that that point, we have set the tone for a couple of different things. Havoc is still protected. We got tag team, new tag team champions with the uh, unlikely duo, the the odd couple storyline, if you will. And they can then uh, go and defend the title, let's say, the following month and drop it. I mean, uh, the important thing there is just that they win the championships. And that, again, that way you keep Jungle Girl going. That's the ultimate story. Now, the other things that you would get out of that would just be subsidiary. Getting something for the Beast out of it, getting something for Jungle Girl out of it. It's like those things are just extra. But you get to, you know, I would have them drop it back to the Monsters of Madness. I would just have them do something along the lines of like hiring Sofia Lopez or something to help them get the job done. You know, just for the one match or, you know, hiring some manager that can step in and help cheat them, you know, cheat to get it back. So we can end with Beast and, and Jungle Girl losing the title, but they, but not necessarily losing face, you know, with that. Like have Sofia Lopez write up the, in the rematch papers that you can lose the titles under any circumstances if you're disqualified or count out or whatever. 
So they can lose and they can, you know, they can stay strong and what have you, get the titles back and and uh, Jungle Girl and the Bees don't have to suffer a loss or a pinfall, I mean, or a submission to do it. I mean, there's, there's probably a dozen ways that you could uh, position Jungle Girl as as the legacy act or, you know, the the, the legend, if you will, of, of the Wild Universe because you only need one. You, you, you only need one, and, and she is... She is the one. I mean, Lana is still there, but Lana isn't really active. Uh, she she's just kind of there, and that's that's fine. But uh, she she's not an active competitor. So what I I would just have that that happen. I, I would do what I could to protect, position, and and illustrate Jungle Girl as my legend of this show, of, of this promotion. And I would move on from there. That that was just a couple examples that I came up with right there. And and you know one of them was, was kind of thought out or halfway thought out. The rest of that that I did that was off the top of my head. So there you have it. That is what I would do if I was uh, booking for WoW or booking specifically to try to uh, position Jungle Girl. Anywho, that's it, folks. I think I have given plenty of in this episode of uh, the rights and wrongs of pro wrestling. Uh, for those of you that have not done so, please uh, subscribe to the channel. I would very much enjoy having you as a subscriber. And uh, if you're listening to this on YouTube, um, <clears throat> go on and click the subscribe button. Click the bell for notifications so you'll be aware when this comes in. Generally, the episodes drop every Saturday night at 9 p.m. The second that WoW goes off, then this comes on. So... Whether you are somebody that actually has watched WoW and then wants to hear uh, the recap of the show or you don't have access TV, you're trying to find out what happened on the program, then you have me. You have the, the, I'm there to, you know, to, to give you that full review and it will be waiting for you the second that that show goes off. So there you have it, folks. Uh, <clears throat> if you listen to this on any other location, Podbean, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, so on and so forth, uh, please uh, subscribe there as well. If you are unsure where to go, you can go to our website. Everything drops there. Everything drops at WPNWrestling.com. That is the videos. We got the video that stream that runs 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So you can also watch full-on matches. You can watch interviews with some of the talents of the independent circuit. And the podcast, as you're listening to here, it goes there as well. So you've got multiple options, multiple locations, multiple ways that you can support, follow, like the Women's Pro Wrestling Network and everything that you have done, all the, the likes, the follows, the subscribes, the questions, the what have you, even visiting the website, even just going to the website and visiting helps the analytics and helps uh, helps this channel, helps this company, I'll say, grow. Uh, it, it, it has helped a great deal. I want to thank everybody that has taken the time even just to listen. I, I really sincerely mean that. Uh, I, I know in the YouTube universe, the amount of people that's on this channel it will be considered low by some of those large channels. But truthfully, I never thought that it would get this hot. I, I never gave it that much that much uh, credit <laughs> so i'm surprised and thankful i appreciate everybody for for doing that and uh if you haven't done it so far please do i mean like i said the growth absolutely helps helps a lot 
So with that, I'm going to close this thing on up. And uh, I will say one other thing. If you are somebody that likes to listen to these things on the go, typically go down in, in the descriptions and check for the MP3 link. I usually put those down there. So if you are wanting to just download it to your phone or download it onto a flash drive or something like that so you can listen to it while you're driving around. If, you, if you're somebody that doesn't have unlimited data, let's say, you know, because I don't have, I don't carry unlimited data. I know that that's terrible, but I don't. So I download a lot of stuff. I just download it, put it on my flash drive, then I pop it in the car and I drive you know, wherever I'm going. Uh, so you can do that too. Just uh, hit that link, get the MP3 and, and download it to whatever device that you may need or want it for and uh, listen to it at your leisure. And with that, I think that will do this episode. I want to thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your, your support and everything else. And I will close, as I always close, telling you that this is Mr. Green saying, that this is Mr. Green saying so long, and we will see you on the next go-round.